We have to move the needle on what people believe is possible, right? We have to bring new people into our project because as progressives, I believe that we have an obligation to create an opt-in and not only an opt-out if we're gonna win because we need more numbers, we need more people. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bituation Room podcast live stream. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. Super happy to have you here with us on another Tuesday um, or whenever you are listening to this from the future. And I know we don't make it. No, I've learned. I've learned not to expect us making it because it's definitely... It's not going to happen. So anyway, if you are um, digging this up uh, as the alien um, life force that you are in the future and you're like, what What does she mean about that? Um, there was this country called the United States and it like was the richest uh, in the world. Uh, rich means you have lots of um, uh, like paper and um, uh, metals. Yeah. Anyway, and um, it even though it was wealthy, it really, really screwed everything up. Just, I mean, it was probably part of the problem. Um, Cause sometimes you get, you have too much money. Anyway, it's a long, 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 uh, it's a lot to explain, but if you just watch back the rest of the shows, I feel like you'll understand it anyway. Um, please resuscitate me. Thank you. Bye. All right, uh, we have a great show for y'all today. Um, Representative Summer Lee of Pennsylvania is here. That's right. We're going to do things a little bit different. I'm going to bring her in first, uh, inter- get that interview in, get the sitch done, find out what it's like to be the newest member of the squad uh, here, class of 2023, um, and uh, or 2022. And yeah, and then we were going to have comedian Megan Gailey on as well to talk about an imminent indictment of Donald Trump. A different one than the Georgia case. Okay, what's going on? How close are we? Oh, my God. Uh, And then we're going to talk about a Republican who, you know, he tried to live his truth on the Internet and he got burned. And he's got some explaining to do, um, especially because he um, is just a walking contradiction. So we're going to get into uh, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. Uh, and everything that's been going on with him. And finally, Jane Fonda is at it again. And you know what? The right is freaking out. And good for them. I love that, like, when the left makes a joke, they can't handle it. They can't take it. So what was the joke that she made? And do you agree that she, should she apologize for it? We're going to play PR woman a little bit and see if we can spin um, this moment that she had on The View. Uh, But also, you guys know, Now, we don't have bonus episodes anymore. We have a bonus show, which streams every single Friday on YouTube and Twitch, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. If you catch it live, amazing. If you don't catch it live or you just want it for your little ear holes, become a patron, patreon.com slash bituation room, and you can get that stream, which all the stories I didn't get to, some ridiculous stuff, some tech stuff, some things that like it feels like it doesn't fit anywhere in this show, which is so, so short on time. Um, we get to all that. And by we, I mean me. I get to all that on the Blessed Friday that is uh, the bonus bish. So patreon.com slash situation room to get the podcast version and the video version as well, which will be uploaded after the fact. But also, if you're here on YouTube and YouTube's your jam, 
I'm not going to hate, you know? Uh, so become a member. If you become a member, you can also watch back. You get watch back privileges. Also, if you're on Twitch and you're a member, you get watch back privileges. So um, I see Firestarter Dragon Joe resubscribing, asking if everyone is high right now. I wish. It is raining in L.A., and it's kind of one of those wake-and-bake days. Haven't had those in a long time. But, uh, you know, bring it back, baby. Um, and Paper Dragon Art resubscribe. Love Friday's show. Show the bone. The bone? Oh, the bone. Like, the bonus bitch. The bone bone. I was like, what? Are we, am I a shock dog? The bone. What's that What's that one California station that's like, 98.9, the bone. And you're like, all right, calm down. All right. Um, but also, I just want to know, if, I want you to know, for the patrons, you will get, if you become a patron, I'm holding up a copy of The American Prospect, you will get, um, a subscription to the online edition of the American Prospect ad free. So that's coming to your inboxes very, very soon if you're a current patron. But then also, which by the way, I write the back page of here's my latest human intelligence. I'm talking about uh, the Republican run House, and uh, Representative Lee can tell me if I'm correct that there's probably an entire committee dedicated to Hunter Biden's D picks. So excited to, uh, to ask how that's going. Um, but also, you will get a discount code to, if you want the American Prospect in your hands, the paper version, you'll get a 60% off discount code for a subscription to that um, left media, to that magazine. So honestly, y'all, I'm sweetening the pot here. Sweeten the old pot. Because as you know, this is a small, uh, independent labor of love by yours truly and a small team um, of people who shall not be named right now. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, let's get into it, though. I'm super excited to have her with us. Former Pennsylvania state legislator, dedicated organizer, activist, advocate for social justice, and now ugh, Congresswoman from uh, representing Pennsylvania's District 12, Summer Lee. Summer, welcome. I mean, representative, my bad. Oh, God. Duo. Summer's my name. I go by that one. Summer? Yep. All right. Well, there we go, then. We're with <laughs> Tum Um Summer, hi. So good to have you. Thanks for taking the time. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. It's, I just, I'm super fascinated about, I was so excited about your victory. Can I just tell you, congratulations again, even though it's been a while, I've been a few months now. Now you're, you've been sworn in finally. There was a little bit of a, a, a moment there. It was a week long, will they, won't they moment. Um, but I just want to ask you how it's been. How has it been now that you're in office? Um, how is, how is it working with, um, Republicans who are just defending insurrectionists and, uh, white nationalism for lack of a better term? I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> the Republicans have been like that, but you know what? It's funny. Thank you. Thank you. I am excited that I made it too. It was a rough run for a minute there all the way up until the second we got sworn in. So obviously really grateful to be here. You know, I've been, I've finally taken to telling the truth about just like how I feel. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's an incredible honor, but to be quite frank, like I, I've been saying, like, I feel like I'm treading water, like in a wave pool. Because it's just always, it's like you, you, you're trying to keep up. You're trying to keep up. Like a lot of people think that government comes like prepackaged, but it doesn't. Like we start from scratch right. and the workload is not 
smaller because you have no staff or because you don't have an office yet or because you don't have a phone you know, or internet. So we've been doing all that. We've been building all that. It has been a journey. We've been assembling a, a super dope team. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, and we're just figuring this place out. And that's, you know, that's how I feel right now. I feel like ready to conquer something and figure something out where the nearest bathroom is. Right. So you're saying the onboarding is a little rough. This is not like, you know, it's not camp. It is like they pulled out, like they pulled out the copper wiring of the office you were in before you got there. Is that what I'm here getting? <laughs> uh, camp. <laughs> I don't think it's camp, you know, it's camp in some ways. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely pick your own adventure, like genuinely. And they don't also, they also don't tell you what your options for adventures are. Right. So <laughs> make it up your adventure as you go. And you can change adventures at any point too, I guess. Right. And you can also kind of sit sit around and do F all, as I feel like some Republican, you know, freshman legislators have proven, thinking of Lauren Boebert and thinking of Marjorie Green, who are kind of more in it for their branding exercises. Granted, they did get booted off under Nancy Pelosi of their, you know, committee assignments. Um, but you know, you can kind of just lay back and not necessarily try to work for the people. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we answer, I mean, for us in the house, right? Your employer is your voter. You answer every two years. Honestly, like it's, it's more so every one year, right? Because we have to run a little bit earlier now. It's a lot of money in politics. So those those elections come faster, sooner or harder. But other than that, right? It's not like you have to call off. It's not like there's, you know, FMLA that you have to take when you, you need some time off or no vacation days. Like you could you could choose to do anything. You can choose to do nothing or you can choose to be dedicated. You can choose to be in your district if you want. Or, you know, I would say you probably should be, but you could choose to be in your district. You choose to never go to that place. Right. There are some folks who have <laughs> islands and they go there, right? And they're there and that's where they spend their off time. Right, absolutely. Um, well, and I feel like given your organizer background and obviously given that you, you know, you have a mission, you're on a mission. And I think I'm so... I'm thrilled that you're in office. And of course, I think your district should be thrilled and is thrilled, obviously. Um, you come from a world of organizing, specifically labor and also working around education. How are you going to apply that to now your time in office? Um, I guess maybe even just policy wise or or like how you approach this fight. You know, I think sometimes progressives, they're like, why don't you go in there and just light it literally on fire immediately? Right. And yeah. coming from the world of labor, you know you can't really do that if you want to win. I mean, also, I mean, just I would never want to set a building on fire that I'm sure. doing. Sure. It just doesn't feel like the most practical, you know, approach if you're attempting to survive and liberate. Um, but for me, you know, when I think about organizing, you know, when I say, you know, what my title is, I'm, I'm an organizer. Like, I don't stop being an organizer. One doesn't stop being an organizer because they are not elected official. And I think that is a strength. Yeah. You come in here and you recognize that things move, not just when we have, you know, an organized electorate, but we absolutely have to have an organized electorate. We have to bring new people to the table. We have to engage folks who people have typically, you know, discounted. People have considered that their lived expertise isn't, you know, important enough to consider when we're making legislation or when we're when we're doing whatever it may be doing. But we also have to organize on the inside. 
right? We have to move our colleagues at the same time, Democrat and Republican, our own caucus, right? We have to move the needle on what people believe is possible, right? We have to bring new people into our project because as progressives, I believe that we have an obligation to create an opt-in and not only an opt-out if we're going to win because we need more numbers, we need more people, uh, we need those people to be to be bought in and we need them to, to go and make believers of the world also. So that work has to always be happening at the exact same time that we're doing everything else. That is so cru crucial what you just said. We need an opt in. And I think I'm trying to remember, I believe it was on this very show, but we talked about like, you know, the ways that if you burn every single bridge rather than build them, you know, if if progressivism yeah is this kind of like you know purity politics only or litmus test only how are you going to actually build that consensus and gain real power and do what you're trying to do um and i guess maybe on the labor organizing tip you've co-sponsored the reintroduction of the pro act um what are your thoughts right now given how active new labor movements are and also given this kind of like major hit that came down from the Biden administration on the railway workers, um, which happened right just before this derailment of the uh, Norfolk Southern um, toxic rail. Yeah, we can't talk out of both sides of our mouth with labor. Again, this is always a, a, an exercise in recalibration and accountability, right? You know, it's easy to say, you know, that we support people, but when we actually understand what solidarity means and the why behind solidarity, right? The why we needed to support those rail workers, right? Who are a part of, you know, one of the wealthiest industries, you know, in this country, if they can't even get paid sick, sick, paid, uh, paid sick and family leave, right? If they can't uh, sound the alarm about, you know, unsafe, working conditions, then we got a world, we're in a world of problems, but our labor movement is under attack. It's always mm -hmm. under attack, mm -hmm. but it's also growing in new ways, right? It's growing in a sense that it's becoming more reflective of like our workforce. So we're seeing growing uh, labor movements in Amazon, right? We see the, the, the successes in Amazon and the challenges there, right? We see the excesses like in, in, in Pittsburgh, we have, you know, our coffee workers who have been unionized and Starbucks and our coffee tree workers, but also in Pittsburgh, you know, we have, you know, uh, our, our magazine, our newspaper, you know, own, owner family that's now, you know, blocking our workers from negotiations. They've been on a picket line for months and months and months because they can't get, you know, they can't get health care, right? And they just, and one of the workers just got attacked. So there's been an escalation. So right now, more than ever, we need Democrats. We need people who are friends of labor to put their money where the mouth is because we have to support our labor movement. We don't get the progressive policies that we're fighting for. Yeah. Medicare for all, Green New Deal, housing justice, workers' rights. We get none of that if we don't also have a robust labor movement that looks like our workforce at the same time. So we have to see these as hand in hand, right? Our our struggles are, 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 are intertwined here. Absolutely. What do you make of this, you know, sort of, uh, right wing faux populism, you know, after the derailment, they were trying to, you know, you know, you got Trump going to uh, to East Palestine and you got Marjorie Green, you know, and all these other um, Republicans trying to, you know, we got to have a committee. We got to have a hearing. We need to da, 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 like and then it kind of all fizzled out when you actually talk about real regulations. Do you think they are successfully capturing a lane that other Democrats have kind of let go of? Meaning, do you know what I'm saying? Democratic leadership have not actually spoken to some of these, you know, um, honestly, like working class issues and issues around like communities have been left behind. What, what are your thoughts on that whole thing? Yeah. So let me say 
it, it could be yes and no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In a in, in a real sense, you know, the Republicans absolutely have captured a lane that Democrats don't. Right? That's why they exist today. That's why their base is not shrinking, but in 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 essence, growing more emboldened and more empowered. Yeah. But also, their their advocacy is not is is disingenuous. And the work that Democrats have to do is in not playing to that, not legitimizing them when we know who they are, right? A wiser person than me said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. So we know that they don't care about the people of East Palestine because if they cared about them, they wouldn't have supported the deregulation in the first place. If they supported, you know, workers, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't bless their unions and they wouldn't erode their, their, their protections and their rights. So we know that Republicans are going to talk out of both sides of their mouth. They're going to do it successfully because they're performance artists. Mm. So what we have to be adept at is presenting the very clear case for why we can't, you know, fall for that smokescreen. We have to put up regulations where there are deregulations. We have to show up right where there's a where there's a where there are gaps, uh, and we have to be responsive. Um, but also, we have to help people recognize that the Republican Party of today means what they say, and that's why we are where we are today. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you also about. You know, you mentioned a little bit about money and politics. It's always this sort of chicken or the egg thing because, you know, once folks get into positions of power, you know, no matter how they got in there, like there's the, the appetite, especially as you're saying, you know, you got to campaign pretty much every other year. The appetite oh, yeah. for campaign finance reform um, is very, very low, I imagine, coming from inside the halls of Congress. Um, but you as someone who didn't take corporate PAC money but had a lot thrown against your campaign. Um, I guess just thoughts on like, you know, we, we've done it. We talked on this show a little bit about not just the, the Israeli lobby, but also crypto lobby and all the ways that kind of like Democrats are continuing to Democrats and Republicans are continuing to kind of take this money, no matter who's offering it. What are your yeah. thoughts now that you're on the inside about this I, issue? Oh my God. I have way too many thoughts. Yeah, Listen, yeah, yeah. go. <laughs> first of all, let's keep it real. I'm an endangered species. People like me, you know, working class back candidates um, that come in, particularly marginalized progressive candidates that come in, we're endangered because, because campaign finance reform is that big of a threat. It is that big of a threat. You know, we need to be very honest about, you know, the, the influence of money in politics. We think about it just when it comes to the election cycle itself. But no, right now, the number one thing, the number one marker of success for, for a politician, it's not going to be more often than not, I'm going to say always, but more often than not, it's not if they're prodigious, it's not that they're brilliant or talented legislators, it's not that they're great consensus builder, it's that they have the biggest ability to raise money because we are always being hit up for money. Because whether or not you get an opponent or not is about whether or not you raise money. How hard that opponent goes is whether or not you raise money. And because these campaigns move faster, there's more money involved, millions and millions and millions and Millions of dollars are coming in, in in one seat at a time, right? No. Every year we exceed records for how much is spent on an individual campaign and overall on all campaigns. So what that does is, is it, it erodes the power that working class people have, that grassroots people have, that everyday voters have, because we cannot compete. Yeah. Because grassroots donors cannot compete with IEs that can drop a million dollars like they're at the candy store, right? right. Um, so this is a really, it's a big threat. We have to see this as a part of democracy reform. If we want a reflective democracy, then we have to be very honest about the barriers to having that. You know, poor candidates, working class candidates, black and brown candidates, indigenous candidates, queer candidates, marginalized candidates can't often access the ballot in the first place yeah. because we don't have a Rolodex that we can go to to raise a million dollars in a month. Or some, in some cases, a day, right? right? And if we can't compete on that, then that means we can't get a seat. 
That means that we don't have a voice, right? That means that we are disenfranchised functionally. So um, it is a huge, huge, huge stress, not just to progressive policies, but it's going to trickle down. It's not just going to impact progressives. And some people are happy to take money or to let money exist as long as it's against their enemy, if it's progressives or conservatives. But one day this will erode democracy as a whole because it's disempowering, disenfranchising all of America. Yes. Mm, yeah. And to say nothing of being the, taking the time off to be able to campaign, right? Like even as someone who was not in office or someone who is in office, it's like you should be ha- have time to do a bunch of other stuff. I mean, yeah. as a constituent, uh, you know, I would want my legislator to spend more time working for me and less time having to fundraise to keep their seat. Right. And we would like that. Right. And we would absolutely like that. I cannot tell you how many just everyday people are like, why do you still need to fundraise? Like, and they get mad. But what they don't understand also is like, if you don't take corporate PAC money, then you have to spend the whole year getting to a million dollars. Right. Totally. Because we can't raise a million as quickly as other people. Right. But people don't really realize that. Right. Absolutely. Well, look, um, you know, I will gladly accept a text message from you. But as long as there's not, it's not Nancy going, Francesca, please. Yeah. And if you don't donate right now, if you do end. not do, <laughs> no, it's, it's over. Uh, um, I okay. So now that you're in office, I, I'm ping ponging a little bit, but you are on a couple committees. You've got the Oversight and Accountability Committee, and the Science, yeah. Space, and Technology Committee. So are are we? Is the moon base going to happen, Summer? Is that? Uh, listen, I, I I can't I can't speak too much about the things that I know. <laughs> wow okay so you've seen you've seen the ufo files the Uh, the chinese balloon as it were we're breaking news here no i'm joking we got no such thing you know science space and technology honestly we're on like the research you know we could talk about, you know, whether or not funding that's coming down for that innovation, that tech work, that STEM work is going to be equitable, right? We can make sure that there are, you know, stipulations attached to those dollars, that we are creating programs where women and, you know, black and brown folks can actually avail themselves of the, you know, this growing economy. But also, you know, then we get some cool stuff. Pittsburgh is going to the moon, apparently. Like, I just found out. What? Yeah, we're going to the moon. Like we're gonna send, we're gonna send a, a rover gonna... up to the moon. It's being built right here in Pittsburgh. That's Mission Control. You know they say Houston, we have a problem. Well, they're gonna say Pittsburgh, we don't have a problem. <laughs> Mission Control is gonna be here in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, it's um, all good. Um, that's funny. <laughs> I like the idea of Pittsburgh just going to the moon, though. Like the entire, just like, yeah, the whole entire you know, thing. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> we've had, <laughs> yeah, we've had it. Um, no, that. I mean, part of that, I mean, I, it doesn't, it's not a lightweight assignment. Like the, the, you know, Elon Musk, the most, the richest man in the world. And then number two or three, whomever, you know, like Bezos, their corporations have received federal dollars to, for what, for them to have rockets to take rich people up to see like their handiwork from the, from space. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Precisely that. And honestly, like the small employer, employee-owned company that's building that rover right now here in Pittsburgh, they're competing precisely with, you know, Elon Musk and Bezos, wow. right? And the fact that they were able, even able to do this is really a testament to their hustle, right? And to their vision because, right, they're crushing the market. Um, so that was also another reason why I was all in, right? Because I was like, well, look, if you're fighting, you know, you're fighting a good fight, right. then let's do this, right? Because, uh, you know, we love employee, we love employee-owned, we love equitable, and we love local. That's incredible. I didn't even know that was possible. It was 
yeah, I didn't know it was possible as a small company to actually, yeah, win a contract like yeah, that. Astrobotics. Shout out to them. Hell yeah. Wait, say that again because I think Astrobotics. Astrobotics. Amazing. Um, I do want to talk to you about, you know, we're coming out. I guess this is year three of the pandemic. Yay. Uh, saddest sparkler ever. Um, it has been declared not an emergency anymore. Effectively, Republicans have no appetite to pass any kind of legislation that's actually going to, you know, even prevent another pandemic or, say, offer the vaccine for free. Right. Um, and now a lot of the things like expanded SNAP benefits um, are expiring uh, and work we're going backwards. We're going back to a state we were before this pandemic and maybe even a worse place. I guess I just wanted your thoughts on, you know, moving forward in this moment. Like what moment are we in where, where like working people are being hung out to dry after giving a mini, mini taste of what a sort of a social safety net could look like? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're, everybody wanted to get back to normal, right? And, we, and what we know about that normal was, is that normal was, was a state where poor working class people, particularly black and brown folks, indigenous folks, queer and trans folks, were just left to fend for themselves, right? That is the normal. And what we got, you know, for a, a small glimpse in the beginning of that pandemic was this realization that what we do to the most marginalized, we eventually will eventually re revisit the rest, right? Mm. And they were kind of experiencing that moment of like those chickens coming home to roost because of those pre-existing inequities, right? They created pre-existing conditions that led to the pandemic, you know, basically running rampant through our communities. It's the reason why we couldn't, you know, do anything about the curve because we didn't have paid sick and family leave. How many workers, how many American workers went to sick to work sick, right? Who could have otherwise stayed home and protected themselves and their neighbors, right? Well, we couldn't do that. Uh, we couldn't do that because of these policies that eroded that social safety net, those policies that took away and stripped dignity mm -hmm. of working class people. And us going back to that, right, is really unfortunate. Um, but to be completely honest, we barely did much to mitigate it during the pandemic, right? right. We had a global pandemic and we still don't have paid family leave. I can't, I mean, I, I got a five month old and it, it is just blowing my mind how much work this is. We still don't have health care for all. No, no, <laughs> It's it's laughable. Uh, and I, mean, I it's I feel I kind of hate it here. I mean, speaking of like, I want to go on the rover. Let's go to the moon. I feel like it might be chiller over there. Um, yeah, I'll connect you. <laughs> Astrobotics holler. They need, a, <laughs> they need a podcast on that rover or what? Um, I OK, so I, I do want to ask you then about like, you know, we're in a moment right now where we have this bank um silicon valley bank was just bailed out um it's not a bailout according to the biden administration according to the fed um depositors are going to be made whole even though they are the ones who took out the risk anyway um but that is sort of in tandem with the with the reality that like we can't even get across the finish line with student debt relief right that even the ten thousand dollars that was proposed by this administration is being blocked at this point and we're at this standstill um, from inside, from inside Congress, how, is this like open hypocrisy? Does that resonate with anyone else other than yourself and like the squad members? Or are you just all just on a text chain? Like what the hell? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so students are used to, and, and this is, this is not, this is not a good thing, right? But students are used to 
being discarded or used to that hypocrisy, right? There before before the the the, the bank, right? You know, before this particular bank, right? You know, a lot of students who came out, you know, of college with you know obscene amounts of loan debt, we came out in the first, you know, <laughs> the first bank collapse. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what we see is, is that when you're a corporation, when you're an airline, when you're a bank, you'll get a bailout. But if you're a working class person, you don't. And the fights that we get, right, the pushback that we get for asking for basic dignity in the wealthiest country on earth, you know, really just shows our priorities. Because people think or people like to pretend, particularly Republicans, that like, right, these students are asking for something, you know, special. And not that we're asking our nation to prioritize our education system, our future, you know, at the same time that we are in one of my committees talking about how are we going to compete with China, you know, mm. on innovation, right? Well, perhaps if we educate people, perhaps if we fix our immigration system, right? If we do these things, like we are sending a, a, we are sending a message to the global community that the United States does not value education. It does not value healthcare, which means that we don't think about and we are not considering the future of our country because of those things. Mm. We are not just complaining about, you know, we took out a loan, pay your bills, you know, in the middle of a debt selling crisis, right? Pay your bills. But um, it's not, it's not just that, right? It's the interest rates that are set by the federal government. It's the fact that we can't, you know, we can't file for bankruptcy. Unlike every risky business owner, I took my first loan out at 17. At 17 years old, I could not have my own bank account without my mom's name on it. And I couldn't do one of my final projects, you know, my, my freshman year, because I wasn't 18 yet. I needed parental consent for that. But I did not need parental consent for taking out a life loan amount of debt. Wow. Right there. Can't rent a car, uh, but here, take out, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. No, no. That that when you pay it will never go down, right? I've been paying my loans consistently, particularly since I got my, you know, my, got my job in the state house. I pay every month. That number has only gone up. The figure has gone up. Explain to me how students, and this is millions of people who are impacted, not just the students, their families, their next generation who will be impacted by that. Explain to us how we're not supposed to be discouraged by the lack of support, by the lack of understanding, by the lack of any sort of, you know, of, of, of lift up, a boost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think this is precisely what you're saying and how why working class candidates and marginalized candidates, black and brown folks need to be in positions of power so that we, you share something with the tens of millions of Americans um, who have student loan debt, right? Um, so we feel represented to the people who at one point were homeless, you know, and the ways that, you know, you saw representative Cory Bush on the, you know, on the steps of, of Congress, yeah. like for, you know, uh, uh, in protest of the eviction moratorium going away. So yeah. I, I think, I think I want to ask you about this progressive caucus, right? Are you part of the progressive caucus? I assume you are. I am. Yeah. Right. So progressive Me caucus too. and in the spirit of opting in, to some of these policies, winning people over to ideas like Medicare for all, Green New Deal, you know, uh, all, all the ideas that, you know, that we believe in. Then you have people like Hakeem Jeffries, speaker of the uh, minority leader uh, of the Democrats, who also fancies himself a progressive. You have someone like Andrew Cuomo, who just today launched a Progressives for Israel organization. There's a lot of people running around with the name progressive who seem like the number one community, the number one people they like to take aim at are actual progressives. Hakeem Jeffries has said things like AOC and the squad are like influencers. The, the, we don't, you know, some of us, it's not a, 
you know, popularity contest. How do you grapple with that kind of infighting, especially when you see the other side, which are just in this, like, again, scary goose lockstep? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I am not somebody who believes that tension is inherently bad. I think that growth comes from tension. I think that it's okay to question things that you don't understand. And the reality is, is that for progressives, for our particular brand of progressive, which is not just our policies, it's our politics, it's how we move throughout the political arena, it's who we are moving with in the political arena. You know, all of those things are new for an entire generation mm -hmm. of politicians who had never believed or conceived that one could move this way and even get elected. And then could not conceive that one could use the tools that progressives use, right? Tools that typically did not exist to politicians that are now equalizers, right? Where you only, where, where you had to rely on a lot of money to reach people by ads and by, uh, you know, filthy rich consultants, right? We now have social media, we have podcasts, we have uh, all of these different things that we can go straight to the people with. We can organize, we have new tools. These are brand new to them, right? right. And they're trying to figure these things out in real time. And there are going to be missteps along the way. What we are trying to do and what we should need to convince people of, particularly people who say that they align with progressive, is to say, listen, well, if you do, if you do believe that all kids deserve a good education, irrespective of the zip code, or everybody deserves health care, or everybody should breathe clean air and clean water, then we need you to bring your politics up with your policies. Mm. And then we're going to help them get there. Because if we don't help them get there, we're not getting it, right? right. We're just not going to get it. Because we are already in the minority in the minority. So we got these two years and we need to move more souls. Yeah, I think that's a really good outlook. I, I, I guess final, final question, and it has to do with campaign finance reform because I, I feel like we just, you know, we sort of move past it quickly. To what you're saying that like, I, I mean, from candidates I've spoken to, people and on campaigns that I've spoken to, it's like, this is all fine and good, knocking doors, getting out, small dollar donations, you know, you especially when you can use that to um, galvanize others and say, look, we're, we are not taking corporate money and all that. But at the end of the day, you need the ad buys. You need, and you had that spent against you um, in, in huge sums of money. So can grass, the grassroots ever truly compete unless we get rid of big money in politics unless we make dark money also and things like dark money illegal? So uh, yes and no, right? Mm -hmm. The reality, look, we can absolutely compete and we should be competing at the local level every single election cycle, right? There are no off years. There are two, for us, there are two, two elections a year, every year, every single year, a primary and a general, right? In those instances where you are at the hyper-local level, you're running for school board or sometimes borough council or city council, magistrate, so many of these races yeah. where you have, uh, you know, a, a, a more containable number of, of, of constituents, you absolutely can knock those doors. Sure. You know, they can spend obscene amounts of money and the media market doesn't even, it's, it's untenable in the media market, right? They can put money in this and they're blowing money, right? Because they're not spending it well. We've seen that often, people who have a lot of money but don't spend it well. You can spend your money on a field campaign and you can have people who can actually touch every single vote in your district and smaller districts. When we get to the bigger races, you know, congressional, but particularly governor, statewide, president. Yeah, it's going to be a little harder to knock your way through that right. one. It's just bigger. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't knock. It doesn't mean you shouldn't show up. But it does mean that, yeah, progressives, we got to go on TV. 
right? We got to go on the radio. We got to do digital. We got to do social media. We have to use every tool in the toolbox. That also means we got to be disciplined about our donating, right? Mm. Republicans, mainstream folks, they get, a, they, they get a quicker return on investment in their opinion, right? You donate this million dollars, you get a deregulation tomorrow. Yes. Right? With progressives, it doesn't feel like that instant gratification because we're unraveling things, right? We're dismantling, we are rebuilding things, and that work takes longer. So right. it's harder to convince a grassroots donor that, you know, you're $25 and you're a working class person. That $25 is going to one day lead us to a better society because, right, we're going to replace those folks who don't represent us with people who do, right? It's hard to sell, but it's true. Yeah, absolutely. You can't just like hold a gala for Mr. Burns and make a ton of money the next day if you hide a toxic spill. I don't know. I'm just, everything just feels so Simpsons-like lately. And I don't know. I'm not even one of those people. Yeah, but no, you're not wrong though. We're not going to be able to com compete. It's not sustainable. Like, and that's the reason why they've been honing their skills, right? Right. For the last like five years, we've had uh, a bit of an advantage because we came from behind. You, you, We had people, particularly we've seen this. It wasn't just a squad. It was literally women of color running at every level of government who were coming in, they were going up against incumbents who were out of touch. You know, they were going up against big money and they were like winning out of nowhere seemingly and the establishment could not figure that out. Right. Uh, what they are figuring out now are ways to, to combat. What we saw in my election and the ones at the same time is a blueprint, a blueprint right. for what we can do to damage, you know, progressives, you know, they're in Why do you think they lost? Why do you why do you think they lost in your case and and they won in others? Is it just because you're that you were that great? But I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, and and I great. No, it's because I had a lot of help. I had a lot of help, right? I've been organizing, you know, a lot lockstep with you know our movement community, our labor community, you know, our progressive community in Pittsburgh for years, and I already ran, and we've been doing work. And right. we have been helping to empower and expand the electorate in ways that got us a head start. When that money came in, it took we took a big, big hit. You know, the ads were all, you know, she's not a real Democrat. She hates Joe Biden. You know, um, she's going to tear up the world. Like they were all terrible, terrible things that they were saying, you know, distortions. Yeah. And they were honest and they worked. But we also had people on our outside come in, just as Democrats, Working Families Party, the Progressive Caucus, right? Uh, the environmental community, right? Whether it be League of Conservation Voters, so many in those communities galvanized around me and we were able to very quickly not match what they were doing, but we were able to stop the bleeding, right? You can't get outspent 10 to 1 and expect to win. Right. Not in normal, not in like, not a normal right. case. So, not normal. right. But because of obviously your history, um, because of your former position and it's the, it's the, you know, building deep, as they say, I don't know. I, I think that's the term. I, I'm not an actual organizer, but I admire them. And, um, you know, it's like, what is it? The, anyway, deep roots. That's all I have to say. Um, so you. You. Representative Lee, you're such an inspiration. I'm so excited for your term, this term and for many, 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 many more. And tell people how they can get involved with you and your campaigning and also just follow your work. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you can always follow us on them socials, right? I'm Summer for PA, S-U-M-M-E-R, four spelled out, F-O-R-P-A. Uh, on Twitter, my official, if you want to know what we're doing on the legislative side, I believe is Rep Summerlee. 
You can always follow us there. Um, you can go to our website, summerforpa.com. And, you know, just keep 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 up with us. We got folks who, who are on the ground. We are always organizing. So if you want to organize and you're in Western Pennsylvania, call us. If you want to organize and you're not in Western Pennsylvania, that work is still important because we still need folks all over yeah. to help us to expand the electorate. Can I just say on a really shallow and note? Donate. And donate. Exactly. On a super shallow note, your congressional photo is so cute. You look so good. It's just amazing. I was like, oh, okay. Like the, anyway. I appreciate that. No, super. Oh my God. With like the plaid and the earrings and anyway. All right. Summerly, representatively, you're wonderful. Please come back. Thank you for gracing us with your presence and your time and, um, and everyone do all the things, follow, get involved, donate, and um, take very good care until next time. <sighs> I am sweating with excitement. That was exciting. I do think there's still a moon base. I feel like she left that one hanging. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into everything that's going on, you guys. We got to get our bitch caps on. You're gonna get your bitch caps on. <laughs> gonna get my bitch caps on. Let's start the show with what are you bitching about? Oh, uh, I sort of alluded to this in my interview with Representative Lee, but I am bitching about Mr. Andrew Cuomo, the Italian. We were so close to being not creeps. <laughs> we were so close. No, we were not. We were very, very far. Uh, Mr. Andrew Cuomo, disgraced former governor of New York. Um, you know, there was a little bit of nursing home death cover-ups. There was a little bit of, you know, uh, handsy manziness. But, you know, that's the Italian, right? We kiss. This is what we do. Um, no. So Andrew Cuomo has emerged from hiding. Um, and he's he's shilling for new people, y'all. He's got, he, he, <laughs> he's found his thing. I'm very sad that my husband, Matt Lieb, can't be on this because we would have had a very, very fun time talking about this. But we also have a baby and someone's got to make sure that she's still alive. Um, but Andrew Cuomo is um, he's got a new calling, guys. Just came out. It came to him. It came to him in the night on a Shabbat, if you will. Uh, he is starting a new organization called Progressives for Israel. And here he is shaming all of us, asking us, which side do we stand on? It's time for our officials to condemn anti-Semitism, not just with their words, but with their actions. You can't denounce anti-Semitism, but waver on Israel's right to exist and defend itself. I'm starting an organization called Progressives for Israel, and I'm going to call the question for Democrats. Do you stand with Israel, or do you stand against Israel? Because silence is not an option. My friends, never again is not a prayer. It is a call to action. It is not passive. It is active. It will never happen again, because we will never allow it to happen again. And we will do it together. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Cuomo. Okay, so never again, you know, obviously in reference to the Holocaust. So you can only imagine that this progressives 
for Israel that stands against anti-Semitism is going to go after all of the anti-Semites in Congress, uh, like Marjorie, Jewish Space Laser Green, right? Like Paul uh, Gosar, who speaks at the America First Pack with that, you know, fucking whatever that dude influencer name is. He's gonna, it's going to be an anti-Kanye West pack. Are we going to call that out? Are we going to burn Yeezy shoes and masks? No, 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 no. We're not going to do any of that. This is money that came from not defeating people like Representative Summer Lee, being like, all right, where do we put this money? Uh, I know Cuomo, and Cuomo's like, I need 10 million just to get out of bed, okay? 50 million, I'll do a video on an old iPhone for you. Um, and so he's doing it. He's starting progressives for Israel, and exactly right. You know what's going to happen. It's going to be running ads against people like Ilhan Omar, Representative Omar, uh, Representative Rashida Tlaib, uh, Representative Ayanna Presley, and all the other squad members who dare mention any kind of crimes against humanity that the Israeli occupation is currently doing, any kind of uh, bulldozing of homes, uh, sh shooting of 13-year-old children, like um, any uh, brutalizing people in the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Like, this is where we are, and I just, it's so fitting that Cuomo is the guy, and if you need to know how bad faith the Israeli lobby is, look no further than this fucking thing, than Andrew Cuomo. This is as if Tucker Carlson started a chapter of white allies with the Nation of Islam. Like, that's what it is. Like, it, it's so bad faith. You don't believe anything. I'm a, I, I'm a white ally with the Nation of Islam. What? What are you talking about? What is this? Um, so anyway, uh, I, I, I fucking, I think this is very funny to me because it's a little bit of a, like, it's like his Vegas residency. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is like politicians who are disgraced get Israeli lobby money and then they're like reanimated and they have to like do the whole thing. That being said, I do think speaking of Vegas residencies, we should put Andrew Cuomo in some kind of conservatorship the way Brittany was put in one. Um, and I feel like he should just do like magic tricks with his big Italian hands in Vegas and keep him far, far away from fucking politics. Andrew Cuomo is not a progressive. Andrew Cuomo spent his entire time in office fighting leftists and the working families party and cutting deals with Republicans. And now he wants to moonlight as a progressive. Fuck out of here. Anyway. They'll be buying a bunch of attack ads on Summer Lee, I'm sure, in the next election cycle. But with that, I'm going to bring in my comedian guest uh, for the rest of the show as we do this uh, sort of ass-backwards version of the Bituation Room. She's a stand-up comic who you've seen on Conan or, or on Comedy Central. She also hosts the podcast I Love a Lifetime Movie where she talks all about Lifetime movies. Please welcome Megan Gailey. Hi, Francesca. Hi, Megan. Just, I didn't like, I did not like seeing his little manicotti fingers. Like, they <laughs> moved in again. a way that was like, written, da, da, da. Now, I, don't, I don't know if you need to hit every syllable when you do that, but <laughs> those are just, those are my notes about, you know, the, the acting in it and, and not, the, not the platform. Totally, totally. Also, like weird hostage-like um, video, bro. It's like 
Hun, I'm gonna call him Hun because I think he'd call me Hun. <laughs> I'm I'm at an Airbnb and I've got a better setup. You know, like <laughs> why are you in why why are you in a conference room back like yeah. hallway? I loved mm-hmm. it. I think he's maybe moonlighting as a cater waiter when I saw <laughs> what that he was like, okay, I take the suit off, I still got my white shirt, and then we bring out the salad. <laughs> Uh, Megan, we start the show, or we're in the middle of the show, but we start yes. it. We 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 open with what our guests are bitching about. So today, uh, on Tuesday, March fourteenth, what are you bitching about? This is going to be unpopular. Um, I despise pickleball. It is sweeping the nation, mm, and I'm like, and and this? and I'm not saying that like. I, I am talking to the able-bodied of of our of our culture. Pick up a fucking tennis racket like a grown-up, okay? So it's just like, what are we? Pickleball has taken over everything. My parents, mm. yes, it is for sixty-seven-year-olds. That is the correct demo, okay? You, it when sounds you, like, like it. It sounds like something Joe Biden plays. Yes, and it's perfect for him, not Joe Biden's grandchildren, okay? <laughs> like, we need to be doing things that are, like, tennis isn't even that difficult. You don't even need to run that much. Like, I played tennis my whole life. I despise running. So it's like, it, but pickleball has taken over tennis courts. It's also really loud. It's like, so loud. I take my son to story time at a public library. It's so sweet and so wonderful. The entire parking lot is filled with pickleball players and it's like no this is not your parking lot this is fucked up <laughs> so is okay what is it there's a net and we're pa- so is it it's like smaller uh-huh. it's like it's on a tennis court which it's like get your own court first of all you can't just be like oh this is basketball ball on a basketball court it's like no that you can't steal someone else's place where they play yeah yeah so they've taken tennis courts and then they shrink them so it's like you can have two pickleball I think you're going to have four pickleball courts on one tennis court. It's basically tennis and ping pong and badminton combined into one. But like all of those were good. Right. But what we didn't need another thing. We didn't need another thing. Old people did. And I say, okay, if you qualify for AARP, pickleball's for you. If you are (laughs) under that and wiping yourself front to back, you need to find a different (laughs) hobby. It sounds like the four square of racket ball, like racket games where I don't know. It's like small. It also sounds like you need like special shorts to wear it. I have no idea you, what it looks like. You need a special like mallet. Oh, I just separate. I hate it sounds so like much. it's a thing that's going to like Matt's going to pick up my husband no. and then he's going to it's going to no. end what I call our garage, which he hates what I yeah. call the garage, which is the hall of forgotten hobbies. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, he gets that real mad. He's like, I'm going to play golf again. I'm like, are you though? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And hobbies take up a lot of space. I guess in pickleball's defense, it it's just a small little thing, but it's it's taking over tennis's space. There you go. Exactly. And it's, I just can't, uh... I can't stand for it anymore. <laughs> I like this. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the week. Uh, I do not have a roundup for y'all because, uh, you know, I'll get back into it. But we have two main stories. A lot happened. Uh, these are the ones I picked. This is the week where. So this is the week where we wait on bated breath to see if the former president will be indicted on criminal charges for paying off 
porn star to keep her quiet about her affair with him. Um, the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is going to probably in ask the grand jury to indict Donald Trump in the coming weeks this week maybe we're gonna see what actual charges will be brought however um this is again this is one of many cases but mm. we'll go into why we think that indictments is coming and what kind of charges will be brought we think it's coming because michael cohen former fixer who basically did this deal um, with Stormy Daniels, um, who worked for Trump, is expected to testify before a Manhattan grand jury next week. That is this week. In fact, that was yesterday. Um, a sign that prosecutors are pointed, poised to indict the former president for his role in paying hush money to a porn star, according to people the matter. Um, so he is a strong indication. Um, such offers almost always indicate indictment is close. Also, Trump has been offered to testify before the grand jury, and he could do so this week, but my guess is that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. He's like, he's like, it's spring break at Mar-a-Lago, so I'm just going <laughs> to stay down here, see if I can see any new boob jobs. Uh, <laughs> honestly, when you sent this, I thought maybe it was the Georgia case. Like, I'm starting to get all of yes. the case. It's going to be death by a thousand sporks like mm -hmm. it really is he it, it's truly it feels like Gotti and the taxes like yes yeah. of course an indictment and yes for for our beloved stormy i want it um but beloved this thing won't go away i mean this this was happening i feel like this was a story pre him being elected pre him being elected yeah it was i mean it it's actually don't really know. I can't remember the timeline because the only thing that I do remember before, obviously, is the grab by the pussy tape, which yes. happened the morning before. Oh, conveniently, DNC uh, email leaks. Um, but I think it was in his first few months. Yes. Here, Here's my problem with the entire story. And we'll talk about what the charges could be. But the, my problem with it is $130,000, Megan. That's how much she was bought off for. 130 now i get it you'd probably have to pay me nothing to keep my mouth shut if i ever had a one night stand with someone as disgusting as donald trump like, i i i've gotten a club sandwich and a pat on the head <laughs> so like i'm honestly well and i and i guess this is the issue because he didn't have the money like i'm shocked he even had that cash but it's because he stole it from his campaign right, so it's right. like i bet i bet stormy was like he has 130 grand. Okay, take it. Done. I'm not even countering. Like, my agents say, take it and run, cash the check immediately. Exactly. Absolutely. Western Union now. Um, no, the good point. Good point. I'm just like, he's totally worth more. And to be silent on that, and this is like Ugh. while he was, whatever, Melania was pregnant. I don't actually give a shit about that. Um, what's no, up, Baron? He didn't even know. He probably didn't even know she was pregnant. Of course not. Um, we, we don't know that he's the father. Um, and I say that about my own child. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, like, <laughs> I believe him to be the father, but it's a lot of different. Once you realize that Mary was artificially inseminated by God, it's like a lot of options open up. <laughs> um, I hope he's, I hope he's indicted. I don't know. It's like, if 
I hope this isn't just the only one. Like, if it's going to be this one, like, can we just have them all too? Like, yes, he did try and steal the election in Georgia. So, like, let's get that one on the books. Like, I would truly like it to be just a smattering up and down the East Coast of, like, you can do a road trip of states that he's been indicted in. Um, Because we... There'd be like a... Yeah, it, it can yeah, be like a, a bar crawl, a little too exactly a bar crawl, but of, of states that Trumps have been indicted in, which absolutely. But let's get into what it could be because what is illegal about this? So, this prosecutors have zeroed in on whether Trump and his company falsified internal records to hide that reimbursement to Mr. Cohen, the reimbursement, the hundred thirty thousand that he paid to Stormy Daniels, mm-hmm. um, and hid it from the voting public. Yes, in New York, it can be a crime to falsify business records, but it amounts to a misdemeanor to Mm. elevate it to a felony prosecutors would need to show that mr trump's intent to defraud included an intent to commit or conceal a second crime which is like what what do you mean the second like the second crime of continuing to rob your supporters blind like right uh we're like he's dumb that I'm like, oh, I bet he thought he was allowed to do this. So like that second one, like the malicious intent, his whole life is malicious intent. Like, <laughs> let's just go back to his, the day of his birth and go, okay, can we use that? But it's like, it, it, he's so stupid that I bet he's like, yeah, you pay, Reagan paid off a porn star. Yeah. All, the, that's the whole reason you have campaign money. Like, I believe I the quote is that. when you're famous, they let you do anything. Exactly. And I, I mean, like in that snippet, he's actually not that wrong. No. Um, so it is, I, it just, a misdemeanor is like, that's, I'm not going to be able to even. I just don't like, uh, like that if he was convicted of that, a misdemeanor, like if you're a convicted felon, that just sounds like there's something robust about it. But if it, what are you convicted, com- convicted, like misdemeanor or like a mis mystemizer like you there's no and also yeah. it's the level of like not an unpaid parking ticket driving with right. a suspended license and, and for the- all of this for these years we're talking about it is i guess i feel like one of the stupidest things he do- did was to turn on michael cohen i know he probably felt like he had to because it was like i gotta throw somebody under the bus but like the person who's your fixer you like you ride with them till the end. Like he has clearly never watched a Real Housewives season. Like if someone <laughs> has your dirt, you are like, no, that's my ride or die. That's my best friend. No, I think her hair looks great. Like you just have to like he like Michael Cohen should have been vice president. Like he should have just given him whatever he wanted. It's like you can't send your personal attorney to jail. No, 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 no. Not at all. And not only that, but we let us remember that currently Alan Weisselberg, the CFO of the Trump organization, former CFO, is in Rikers right now. Like, what are we talking about? So this is the thing with the like, so if all these fools have gone to prison, and by the way, max prison time, if you were convicted, I think of the felony, it's max prison time is four years. But prison time is mandatory if he is convicted so here we have indictment obviously then there's the 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 conviction and then there's the sentencing Mm -hmm. i believe that's how the legal system works yes and but it takes a while it takes a while it takes a very long time um so yeah only four years which i feel like you know if he made us like call him president for four years yeah it's kind of a it's kind of a good trade i think like he uh, he's it's shocking to me he's still alive um but 
now I'm like imagining him and they they're not letting him have his hair and makeup person and so like that might be worth it just to see what's going on like what he what orange is the new black sort of eyebrows (laughs) are actually (laughs) peeking underneath all that there's there's like like out on the like in whatever like the 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 gym area or something there's like a little bit of like some kind of oh yeah clay yeah clay thank you thank you there's like some clay out there that they like are repurposing to like bronze him a little bit it's so funny Francesca because I I can tell we're both have children um like babies Uh, my mom brain (laughs) words I'm like where is the word like I'm I go what's that thing that you know cars park on outside of a house like a driveway I'm like yeah that's it a driveway you you just truly lose whole chunks my thing is like my thing is like do i sound as inarticulate as i you don't you don't like but we are we are like two peas in a pod right now where it's like we're not it's we're not finishing each other's sentences i just have the words that you've lost and you have the words that i've lost and together we make one brain Thank you. I that's why I have you on. I need you. God damn it. Um, all right. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, Trump, you know, is on Truth Social, um, saying he did nothing wrong. I never had an affair with Stormy Daniels. No way I wanted did. to have an affair. Yes, you did want to have an affair <laughs> with Stormy Daniels. That's not what this is about. Like, that's so funny that he's like, I didn't have sex with her. And it's like, we've established you did, actually. Um, and she you think she wants to say she's had sex with you? That is that's the worst thing she could ever admit on earth. And she's willing to admit it. So like it did happen, dog. So relatable to like her, like, you know, just her account of like how oh, disgusting yeah. the dick. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's just like, absolutely. Dude, we've all been there where you like, you build something up in your mind maybe. And then when push comes to shove, it's, disgusting but i i mean i guess i could have told you that anyway he calls her horse face daniels like oh come on horse face daniels no no i love stormy i i'm i follow her on all the things i i I love nothing but greatness for her i'm glad avenatti's gone oh god um he was in that pepsi doc did you see him in the pepsi documentary no (laughs) oh god he tried to help get the guy's um plane he's a mess um no i'm i i justice for stormy i want stormy to get more money absolutely agreed 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 all right we got to move on to our next story (sighs) this was the week where we once again affirmed that republicans anti-gay crusade is mostly just an effort to prevent themselves from their own temptations Mm -hmm. and living their own goddamn truth um and also it's sort of been a lesson in you know republicans not understanding how social media works and that we can see you grandpa um we can see what you like uh this story is like somehow better than the ted cruz story where he liked a like hardcore porn video on 9-11 which i just i'd forgot the 9-11 part of it which i think is a very funny yeah date to jack off um but the man in question we're talking about is Lieutenant Governor of Tennessee, Randy McNally. Randy. Randy. Good old Randy McNally. Um, turns out he's been liking and commenting on a young gay influencer's semi-nude and or very nude photos. I'm mm-hmm. um, going to show you a couple of them. So uh, yes. here he is. Yes. Showing us his booty. 
and Lieutenant and Gover- Governor McNally with the blue check mark saying, Finn, mm-hmm. you can turn a rainy day into rainbows and sunshine. Mm. Which is, again, I, I was a very funny Southern way of like catcalling someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there he is saying three hearts and three uh, flame emojis. And uh, Franklin Superstar, who is this young influencer, says, you are literally always so nice, King. King! And and then Lieutenant Governor replies with three eye hearts. It's actually <laughs> really sweet correspondence. Like, I, <laughs> he wasn't a hateful homophobe. You go, this is really lovely. Like, I... I, cause like we have, rep- you have reply guys. Look at you. I have reply guys. Some of them you're like, yeah. I, one of them reached out to me the day I gave birth and was like, would you be willing to send photos of um, when your milk comes in? <laughs> Stop yeah. guy. I mean, so, yeah. okay. And that was Brett Kavanaugh. No, um, it was not. It was just some random man. And Dude. I was like, thank you so much for asking. I'm not going to be able to do that, but I do appreciate <laughs> <the> inquiry. <laughs> but like, I would have been like, okay, but like how much though? How much? No, I was, no, I truly was like, thank you for reaching out. <laughs> but this is what I'm saying about, okay. So yes, this is a story of a homophobe. We'll talk right. about what he legislates against, um, who also has been liking a clearly gay influencer's you know, naked photos. And it seems like they have some sort of online relationship. They have some sort of relationship. You're always so nice, King. Like, Hmm. so so put a pin in that. But I think more broadly, what your also comment speaks to is like men online Mm. just Mm -hmm. shooting their shot. Yeah. When no one needed to shoot a shot. You didn't need to say anything. You didn't need to do anything. You probably should have double checked whether you were, you know, commenting under your official handle Mm -hmm, but also like mm -hmm. what was the best case scenario randy what do you expect was going to happen sir who asked megan if to send photos of her milk coming Mm -hmm. what what did you think she was going to say yeah best case scenario was yes here's the thing with the uh, and you hear shoot your shot as a metaphor all the time that's in reference to shooting a basketball at a at at a backboard Mm -hmm. at a basketball hoop well, in this case, the basketball hoop is a person. And I actually do not want basketballs thrown at me. So it's it's like the metaphor, it doesn't work because it's like shooting your paintball shot at their head, maybe. But like you sh- you can't just practice on women right. and, and people and Finn, even though Finn, I think money exchange hands there because it's like you are always literally so kind. It's like... He has been mowing him. Um, he is zelling him. And, you <laughs> so know. This is a question. This is a question. Okay, so a little bit of info on McNally. Right? Randy McNally, uh, while um, with Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally as a speaker, Tennessee Senate has advanced and passed bans this year on gender-affirming care for transgender youth and restrictions on where certain drag shows can take place. So utter hypocrite if he is, in fact either gay or likes gay performers or whatever it is here's randy mcnally though on local news which god damn it i please please don't copyright strike this <laughs> um replying to why they why he sent those those messages why did he why did he comment here he is uh uh you know try to encourage people with posts and try to um you know help them Mm. I love 
I mean, he's like, he's like, I'm caught. Oh, like, help me. <laughs> I don't know if you saw SNL this past weekend. Molly Kearney did an incredible Randy <laughs> on Weekend Update. Yes. Loved their portrayal of him. Um, the thing that sucks is that we all know they're hypocrites. Um, the Herschel Walker of it all, of right. having paid for abortions and being anti-abortion. So it's like we we've seen we see this in every single every single one of them is a hypocrite. Right. Um, and and like we're all humans are hypocrites. That's just sort of it's like do as I say, not as I do. Oh, it's okay for that person. They're fun. You know, like we all do make exceptions, <laughs> but when it comes to Republican lawmakers, they they're hypocrisy goes into limiting rights of people. So it's mm -hmm. not just as silly as like, no, you can't sit with me. Um, it's, but like, it doesn't, what does this matter to the people of Tennessee who voted for him? Nothing. No one is not going to vote for him over this. And maybe there'll be five people, but it's like, he's got a crew that rides for him. And, and it doesn't even matter that he was fully caught, red-handed. Um, if anything, it would be better for him to just be like, yes, I like, I'm, I like to look at pictures of men. Yeah. I'm, I'm married to a woman, but yes, I, I have sexual fantasies about men. Like he probably even pick up some uh, Democrat votes. Like we would just be like, oh, that's at least honest, but they, they just double down in their hypocrisy and they pay no price for it. And it's so infuriating. So we're going to continue to have these gotchas. Yeah. Um, and, and the gotchas only get bigger and, and more. It's endless, endless it's gotchas. Endless. And like, this is like one of the very, very lightweight. It, it, I want no, to go to like fun and sweet. There's no, there's no victim. Exactly. Um, Finn this is obviously like, like loves his fan. Did you see him? Did you see the guy on the news? The, um, I, or I, I I actually don't know if he... If okay, he so his name is Franklin him. McClure, which I yes. have a problem with his whole story because what is a better name for, like, a twink influencer online? Randy McNally or Franklin McClure? Like, Probably the, they need... Exactly. <laughs> they, are, they're, they should be switched. Franklin yeah. should be lieutenant governor. Yeah. The names. And then Randy McNally should be... That, that's his I, right I'll handle. take you one further. I think Franklin... A hot twink should be lieutenant governor. I would love to see the policies he puts Absolutely. into place. Um, so he, uh, he did a news interview, shirtless, just on a porch, shirtless. And I go, <laughs> get your 15 minutes, okay? Like he is, and he is so hot, and he is working it. And he's like, yeah, we're friends. I don't like. He's just like, I don't get why he's saying that we're not friends anymore. He said, okay, so he says that for a few years, the lieutenant governor had been commenting on his. Um, post, but that he'd never met him, that no money exchanged hands, no Zell. But it, the best is, um, he says, referring to the comments, this is from an interview with The Cut, from McNally, when McNally first started coming in when he was 17, mm, McClure says, I didn't even know what a damn lieutenant governor was. I was thinking, it's kind of random, but I'm grateful that someone's being nice to me. You could look at a heart emoji and think someone's telling you that they have a crush on you, I guess, but it's also valid for someone to just be saying, you're pretty, or you look good. Mm -hmm. Randy never asked me for nudes. He never asked me to date. I really don't have to be angry about um, anything to be angry about. So there's that. I Here's another little fun moment, though, because Randy, sorry, Franklin, oh, now I'm getting him confused, in his bio says, I'm not a whore. I'm a hoe. There's a difference. One is a slut. The other is a prostitute. I'm the one that gets free weed for giving head. Yes. <laughs> and is a musician. 
lots of revelation. There you go. Exactly. So know the difference. But then also here was McNally's response to that, uh, that, that part of his bio. I don't know that, you know, a lot of times on people's posts, you see the name and you see what they've written and you just press the button that says like. So, so, so you didn't read uh, that post? I don't recall reading the part about the, the uh, weed. I know that. The weed is the thing to take issue with. Uh, so I didn't know that was an option. I would just like to know, how do you get a chin like that without smoking weed? Like, if that chin doesn't say munchies, then I don't I know like what to else. Make, if a woman could ever run for office and win looking that heinous. No. Like, it's not. so unfair what we do to women in this country and the yeah. bars that we set for them mm -hmm. to, like, just be in public, just go mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And yet motherfuckers are running around looking like a Star Wars oh, character. Yeah. Like, Yeah, I'm sure he's on multiple billboards and is like, yeah, look good. <laughs> Franklin likes it. Franklin loves it. So anyway, it's, it's just very fun. The last thing is Franklin has some advice uh, for Randy. He says... Um, if he got a chance to speak to him, he would say, girl, who would have known this would happen? Also, mm. are you okay? I'd probably ask him that because he's 79. So, you know, mm -hmm. life expectancy. He, he says he'd also probably bring up the drag bill. Taking away someone's way of expressing themselves, he tells me, is evil. But Thank he's you. trying to take the high road. I have compassion for everyone because I know how it feels to be hated on. Later that evening, this is fun. McNally DM'd him again saying... Thank you, Finn. I appreciate your truthfulness. And if you ever need anything, let me know. He needs you to not outlaw drag races. That's what yeah. he needs. <laughs> End of story. Stop being a hypocrite. Lead the I charge. Said drag the I said drag races. <laughs> I meant drag I wasn't even going to correct you. you I, I like, know. I was thinking, you know, I'm a huge drag. I'm a huge drag race fan. And so I, I don't even like I. I, in my mind, I was like, oh, I guess drag races are when you race cars, but like, who does that? Like, let's actually outlaw those. That's funny. I just remembered what drag races were because, yeah, drag races have, are now forever. They're done. Yeah, that's over. No, I know people still do them and people die. So we do need to outlaw drag races, not drag shows. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, anyway, uh, I guess God bless. I don't know. No, fuck that. I'm just, I'm so annoyed that we have to even like point out this hypocrisy because you're right. It's like, you know, we I talked about on the show Matt Schlapp of CPAC, who like was fondling a fucking staffer and a, a young man, and he's still in power. He's yeah, nothing. You got you got like his wife on Twitter getting mad at Jane Fonda, who we're gonna talk about very soon. It's like, bitch, you have no leg to stand on. You guys are insane, and it and it really is. It is the party of we can be open hypocrites and do whatever we yes. want. That's the all Bo we are. Bobert becoming a grandmother at 36 and not believing in sex education in schools. She's 15. This girl's 15. From I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, y'all, but I believe her son's 17 and this girl is 15. Ugh. All right. We've got one more segment um, because this was the week where Jane Fonda, in all of her Jane Fonda-ness, uh, went on to The View and made a joke that um, honestly... I think we've all made. I've definitely made it on this show. And um, 
Let's take a look, and then we're going to play a little PR cleanup on this. Here what she was making a joke, but was it? About what to do with um, women's rights being taken away, if not protest and organize, etc. We have experienced many decades now of having agency over our body, of being able to determine when and how many children to have. We know what that feels like. We know what that's done for our lives. We're not going back. I don't care what the laws are. We're not going back. Yeah. Well, the women will rise up. That's the activist. That's Jane speaking, yeah. and, and and she probably will get a Nobel Prize. But it's very, the truth. Very, very soon. It, it is the truth. But We're I, not going to do it. Besides, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous... <laughs> what did you say? Murder. <laughs> She's kidding. Wait a second. She's just now, kidding. Don't say that. That's oh, not... you don't know. They'll pick up on that and yeah, just run with it. Yeah, that's the worst. She's joking. just kidding. It's... Well, let me talk to you about... <laughs> Let's move on and talk about Jane's activism, which is yeah. legendary. Yes. I love this. The best part about that clip is Jane Fonda's, like, her uh, her face after. Yeah. She's just kidding. Mm -hmm. I love Lily Tomlin being like, what'd you just say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, like, because everyone's kind of stepped on the joke and, like, or people were talking over it. And she yeah. was like, hang on, what? Because there was a moment there. I don't. Here's a setup for me. Joy Behar is basically like, okay, but if you protest and you organize and you like elect the right officials and you do this and that and that, and it still doesn't work, what else is there? Like, that's kind of what she was saying. She was like, what else beyond, you know? Right, there is, like, she, yeah, she sort of led her down the path. <laughs> <laughs> she really did. I... And anyway, yes, it was a clear, it was a clear joke. Okay, but of course the right's freaking out about it. Who cares? Everyone's... Well, Fuck them. Yeah, obviously, but here's... So what are they going to do? Are they going to take away 80 for Brady? No, it's already out, and it's a masterpiece. Okay, so <laughs> you're going to wake up Grace and Frankie? It's over. What, what do you want to take from this 85-year-old woman? You want her to say she was kidding? She's not going to do that. She doesn't give a fuck about you. She's never liked you. She thinks you're all trash. And honestly, what's the big deal? These are words, remember? People can say whatever they want. It doesn't matter. And when you get to be 85, if you don't make a joke or a non-joke about killing someone, you're not really 85. <laughs> First of all, this segment was called PR Cleanup, where nope. we pretend to be PR people. But that, to me, is the best defense of these comments. I was going to be like, you know, well, what she meant to say was, um, we murder them with the truth. <laughs> And they will die from the weight of facts, which are on, on our side. You know, when they go low, we go high. A great woman once said that. And uh, we've been trying that for a really hard time. And it's not working. Uh, yeah, I just like, I, 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 if I was her PR person, I would say Jane Fonda will apologize when Kyle Rittenhouse does. Mm. Or when Brett fucking Kavanaugh does. So she yeah. she did have a statement which was effectively, I was joking, it was clearly a joke. Why is the focus on me when the focus should be on women who are dying yes. uh, because they can't access abortion care? End of story. And that's that's exactly right. That's what the right wants to do. They want to focus on the words and the freak out and not what's actually happening. It's like Kathy Griffin when fucking kids were being... Yeah, the bloody head and like children were being separated from their families at the border it like, at, it's and also, put in cages. No, they're they 
they love to clutch their pearls that are like soaked in the blood of people they've murdered. Like, it's like, oh yeah, no, you're the murderers. And then you're like, but it it was really, uh, I I really would love to be on The View. I'm going to put this out there. I would love to be a host on The View. I would love to be, I would love to be, um, whenever Joy decides that she needs to, I don't know, buy a baseball team or something. I would love (laughs) to take her seat because I don't like, and I get Sunny needs to pivot, but it's like, personally, I don't think what she said is bad. No, but you, but see, that's the thing is it's not safe for daytime television. And this is why like, of course not, but it's also what makes it interesting. Like, oh God, I once went to a, a, I went to a taping of the view because I thought it would be funny. Ironically, by the way, I'm sure you've been to tapings. There is, you cannot go to a taping. Ironically, that is not a thing that you can do because they make you clap and laugh like a monkey and there's yeah and not pee and you have to stay there and it was just like it was torturous i was like oh i thought this would be funny and ironic we could just make fun of it no or anyone else want to make fun of this no oh shit we we all believe this fuck um but i um you know anyone edgy gets thrown off that michelle collins you know i know taken off the funny so funny and so good. I, I, but I want to put that out there for you as well because it's also like they get so like, oh, don't say that because then they're gonna clip it. It's like, why are you who already cares? scared about it? But like, who cares? Like, that's what are you taking from Jane Fonda? There's nothing to take. Like, it, she's Jane. F- she is so iconic. She yeah. so so that what they're not gonna let her present at the Academy Awards. She'll probably be like, great, I don't want to fucking go anyways. So exactly. But like, the thing she is- does whatever she wants. She's above. She's a she's so above it all. Absolutely. And one of the things that she wants or so one of the things that she did was during the anti-Vietnam War movement and during the war, she was basically posed with the Viet Cong like mm-hmm. and was then got the name Hanoi Jane, which if, which if you see that around people saying Hanoi Jane, Hanoi Jane, it's because that's what the right labeled her as. But back then when the Viet Cong were actually winning and everyone was effectively on their side because they were like, yo, this is their country. It sounds like it's their movement. It sounds like they want this. Maybe we should say the fuck out of this internal civil war. Like, you know, again, it was very different times. The Vietnam War had been dragging on, you know, Americans were coming home in body bags and she went and and like had the audacity to pose and like, you know, chill with the so-called enemy Mm-hmm. They were actually turning on the like they didn't see them as the enemy. At least average Americans didn't necessarily see them as the enemy. They were like, "Why? I don't understand that." So anyway, talk about never ever giving a fuck about what people say and do, and also not having blood on her hands, not Mm-mm. helping in the trenches, doing real work, and then also making brilliant art at the same time. Have you seen Eighty for Brady? I loved it, and she's she's just we Someone- should all aspire to to be that way you know yes uh, a patron i believe urban urban hermit mentioned barbarella i did a live commentary of that movie and like never has there been someone more fucking perfect on television yeah. i'm out on the screen like her her body is amazing she jane fonda still- barbarella is you, you're like holy shit it's like when kim basinger was in nine and a half weeks you're like oh my god you are the top and like I, I honestly think she's still 
making things so she can still be an activist. Like it's one of those things where it's like Hollywood needs you to like be semi-relevant if we're going to listen to anything you say. So she's like, okay, I'll, I'll make a Netflix show with my best friend so I can go out and try and make it so women don't die. I think them coming after her is elder abuse. So maybe they should apologize. (laughs) What do you think about Shailene Woodley and all that? What's her ass doing? You know how she was, um, you, she was like dating Aaron Rodgers and then he got out yeah. of her being an anti-vaxxer and Shailene was like kind of dope. You know, she like went to Standing Rock and I, it just wasn't a real relationship. There we go. They were never, yeah, it, it, they, they're not real. None of his relationships are real. <laughs> so like it, I mean, good for her, but also like she was in that relationship to get something out of it. So, and then was like, oh no, my fake relationship is with a guy I don't like. So it's like, okay, girl. <laughs> The reason I'm asking Megan is because Megan, do you currently have a podcast, a sports podcast? Or do I do. You- I do yeah. have a, it's called Megan Fun of Sports. I'm the most over Aaron Rodgers right now. Truly, I called him the most boring housewife of all time. Like, <laughs> I'm like, we live in LA. You don't think I hear about people doing ayahuasca enough? Like, shut <laughs> up, pick a team and get out of my life. So yes, you can hear fun takes like that. <laughs> what if I know nothing about sports? Can I still listen? Absolutely, because we are like telling we are telling who is hot, Jimmy Garoppolo. We are we are covering <laughs> wives and children. Like March Madness is coming up, and everybody fills out a bracket, whether you know what's going on or not. And the brackets that always do the best are just like I like purple, and then you ride purple till the end, and you're like, well, I guess Kansas State is in the final four. Like I just this- I can't find it within me to care about. You don't have to college. No, 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 college basketball. No, yeah, so it is college basketball. The tides are turning. The NCAA, one of the most evil organizations in the country, has lost all of their power and are basically nothing now, a shell of what they used to be. So that's very exciting. And college players are finally going to start being paid for their um, name, image, and likeness. And so there is some to celebrate. What, What is really heartwarming and tough about uh March Madness these are like children and so you will see a 19 year old boy crying and be moved the most you've ever been moved but you'll also see celebrating and you know at the end of the day they just get the team together and go to a Ruby Tuesday after and that's really (laughs) what keeps me in it just like oh I know they're going to have a salad bar and some laughs that's a great sell um Megan Gailey thank you so much for being on this show everybody where can you where can we follow you and beyond the Megan Fun of Sports, what we've got Everybody Loves a Lifetime movie? Yes, a lot of podcasts. I'm a lot, I'm a podcast um queen, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband says I am the LeBron of co- podcasts, as in I do a lot of them, but not great results. So <laughs> a lot of minutes points are falling down. Yes, my handle is at Megan Gailey on Twitter, at better Megan Gailey on Instagram. There was a Megan Gailey. I did need to teach her a lesson. And I have I Love a Lifetime movie, Megan Fun of Sports, and come out and see live comedy. It's Absolutely. really fun. Yes. Go see Megan wherever you can. Um, and thank you so much for being on the show. Take very good care of yourself and all y'all in the comments. Uh, thank you so much for being here. This was God, what a great show. I, uh, I'm beside myself with how fucking good the show was. I, I mean, honestly, honestly, if this doesn't make you a patron yet.
I don't know what will, um, but for, I do want to thank all the new members on YouTube. We've got Hayden Campmere. Uh, thanks so much. Todd Roy, of course. Thank you so much. Um, Lash of Ninetail uh, got my Franny Pack. Sup, Frantifa? Is that mean, does that mean you're part of the patron? Patreon, I mean. Rar Bear Dragon, let's do this summer. I'm 100% with you. Shout out to Representative Lee. Um, uh, I'm the progressive carpenter on Twitch. I'm in Pittsburgh and want to organize. I'll be checking out their website to get involved. Please do. Um, Gary Cooper on YouTube. Cuomo, let's make a deal. I'll denounce anti-Semitism as I have before. If you'll denounce Israel's genocidal treatment of occupied Palestinians. Eh? What about Palestinians right to defend themselves? Anyone want to stand up for that? No, no, no. That's what I thought. Um, Dory B said, damn, this is bad in reference to Cuomo. The current government is total shit. I'm a Jew. I know. I also have a rabbi who hates Netanyahu with a passion. So many do. Ugh. Yeah, I don't even. Anyway, uh, tooled for Twitch says reading is more athletic than pickleball. <laughs> uh, Michael Gonzalez on YouTube. It probably wasn't even a check. He probably tried paying Stormy and Trump stakes. He's like, they're vouchers. It's a Costco uh, card, in fact. Um, just old steak. Hef, thank you for your super chat. Fran has agency over my body. Gross, but thank you for your super chat. Um, and the Groove Dragon on YouTube, the irony does not escape me. Pro-lifers have murdered doctors and bombed clinics. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, we're trying to have fun with it, but at the end of the day, it's enraging. It's enraging. And we, no, we don't want you to, you know, ostracize or or discipline i don't know maybe a little bit of discipline but like you know set these politicians out to drift because they are gay or they like gay photos even though honestly that's probably not what you should be doing as a lieutenant governor um but like then fucking be human then in court then then what are you doing actually like, why are we live? Why, why are you just the party of repressed, sad men? And so much in this world, back to my pit, pitch for matriarchy, so much in this world would be better if men, number one, were not in charge. But number two, if they lived their goddamn truths, if they went to therapy and they live their fucking truth, you and your wife will still be friends. Anyway. I lost all my people. But anyway, uh, thank you guys so much. With that, let's thank the new patrons, $10 or more, with a shout-out, all the tippers, all the people. No big tippers, but with the fart song. I already shouted out Paper Dragon Art and Firestarter Dragon Joe. We also have Jessica Russell. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. Uh, Hola, boy. Thank you for becoming a patron at 10 bucks or more. And Bianca Rosario. Thank you as well. Um, no big tippers, but if you want to tip the show, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. Again, thank you for all of our new patrons. Even at the $5 level, you guys are great. Thank you to Paige Omek, Maximilian Inhoff, to Andy Vasoyan. We stream every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. And Fridays for the bonus fish at the same time, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Follow the show on Twitter, Bituation Pod, TikTok, and Instagram at FrannyFio. Um, and remember, y'all, fight the power. Fuck the patriarchy. And don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Love you. Bye.